your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ATP. James here, joined by Ryan and Alex following Everton's 0-1 loss to West Ham at home at Goodison Park. It is Everton's first home loss of the season and just the second time West Ham have won consecutive away league visits to Everton, first time since 1930. And so unfortunate record to be broken. Or, <laughs> yeah, that one hurts. And we'll start with instant match reactions, and we'll go to Alex first. You're up. I felt very deflated, to be honest. It was one of those where, like, you turn it off immediately when the whistle is blown, and, and you don't. You know what I mean? You're not sitting around waiting to see the hum and the whatever of Goodison Park. It, it's just annoying after after waiting two long weeks for a good old blue weekend and uh, to get such a result. But um, to be honest, not a not a great match and not a whole lot of entertainment value from my perspective. What about you, Ryan? I thought it was absolute garbage. Uh, I thought we were terrible. And uh, the saddest part was that we actually had a decent chance to get back in the match, maybe even win it. Uh, we came out in the second half and played pretty well. But the first half was an absolute travesty. Uh, and just there were so many bad individual performances. It, it's going to be a long list pod if we really attack them in too much specificity. But it's one thing to get out tactic that badly. It's another thing when the individuals just didn't. And mostly bad games on the ball, really. You know, it's it's a shame. Yeah, I think you had both the the poor tactical setup or the out the tactical masterclass from David Moyes, oh. however you want to spin it, combined with the poor individual performances from Everton, exacerbated by, of course, the injury list. But we'll get into that here shortly. We'll start with score predictions. I think we're giving some partial credit out today on ATP. We're going to give some credit to our favorite <laughs> mod, the Penny Blue, Ethan Zander, who nailed it predicted that one of the teams that Moyes is or has managed will win. Well, I mean, he's right. right. Who are three he's men right. that have never been in my kitchen? I mean, it's the same thing. <laughs> he got it right. I mean, Ethan knows how to play the game, dude. You got to give he him does credit. Indeed. He does indeed. In addition, we had Chicago, Joe and Zach Landy both predict one nil as the results, presumably Everton to win. But again, partial credit to both of them. <laughs> and uh, let's move on and quickly discuss the lineups. We'll start with Everton and over to Alex for. So we only had one change uh, from the lineup against Manchester United a couple weeks ago, and that was Iwobi came in uh, at left midfield in place of Anthony Gordon. Unfortunately, we still have uh, numerous folks missing. That would include Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Fabian Delph, and Andre Gomez. Um, and I think we're hearing as of today that the Dominic Calvert-Lewin uh, injury may be a little longer than we anticipated. Perfect. Um, yeah, West Ham looked uh, pretty much the same that they have been at least last game. They had only, only one change, which was um, Sufal, uh to pronounce it properly, was, uh, you know, he came out and moved away for Ben Johnson. I actually thought did pretty well. Um, they were in their typical kind of 4 2 3 one. I, you know, it looked a little different. I guess I could see a 4 4 1 1. Um, you know, it almost looked like four now may, may have been playing a little deeper and more focused on possession. But I mean, getting on to the tactical setup, honestly, we just got absolutely murdered from the get go. I mean, this was as one sided a tactical game plan as you could see. Um, I think Rafa's a bit stuck here. I don't want to be too overly critical about him, but the way he's been countering getting outnumbered in the midfield was trying to play that 4-4-2 very compact because uh, otherwise you've got three versus two in the midfield and it's not pretty. 
Um, the problem with that was that West Ham knew that we we're going to try and do that. It looked very similar to the QPR match. And it looked like even on the backside, West Ham would keep its wide players very, very wide still. And so you got to make a decision as a wide midfielder. Do you cut inside to try and help with the numbering issue and, and support the midfield and then give acres of space to your outside behind you? And we tended to stay a little more wide open um, until they got to a certain point on the field. And they didn't have an extraordinary amount of switches, but they knew they could basically get it to Cresswell whenever they wanted. And Townsend wasn't going to be able to really pressure him. So Cresswell had 121 touches. Um, but the start too, I mean, the way it just started right off was so brutal. I mean, they had the ball 80% of the first 20 minutes and you could see it. And, and it was compounded by the fact that we had once again, that terrible big gap again, a uh, vertical gap as well between the center halves and, and our center mids. So you had Alon and Decore, which were slightly disorganized. And again, it's a question whether it's is it Keen not pushing up along with Godfrey. And it was very obvious that every single time West Ham got the ball anywhere near the final third, Antonio and Bowen, Bowen from the other side would cut straight back into that line. They would sit there and play right in between the lines. And it was tough. I mean, they were all over us. We couldn't get the ball from them. Um, it was actually amazing they didn't generate quite as many chances as they probably could have. Uh, but it was constantly a problem. And a couple of times they got disorganized, but immediately, you know, eventually they would get it together in the first half, kind of go back to what they were doing. And I mean, it was just, just decimation and you could see the shape. I mean, the shape is very balanced for them and ours is just a mess. Yeah. It's a total mess. I mean, you have obviously a Wobi and gray kind of switch positions uh, at halftime. Half. So that changes sort of the, the, the graphic here, but you have a Wobi very central alongside gray Townsend outright and the left space is just kind of a chasm. Luca Dean uh, unable to maybe get up as often. And we really just couldn't string any sort of sequences together to, to spring any kind of counterattack. I don't know what our pass percentage was in that first 20 minutes. Oh, not pretty. Uh, yeah. It was really, really ugly. And again, West Ham, well-disciplined, well-coached and maintained their shape really well. Furthermore, you look at the way that we attacked really heavy on the right-hand side weren't able to leverage the left side. So 43% of our attack coming down the right, which seems to be the trend predominantly right-sided and West Ham conversely used the left side. So coming down right back down the same direction for the most part, use the right side, 35% left side, 43%. Um, and then you look at the shot distribution. I mean, the, the shots ended up relatively even, which is something we've seen with Rafa, despite the lack of possession and really West Ham had 13% of their shots in the six, but 25% of their shots outside the box, whereas Everton had 87% of our shots in the eight. So you'd think, you know, at face value, maybe we should have done a little bit more, but I think there was some pretty good defending on the part of the center half. So on both teams, a lot of blocks, especially uh, on Everton, Godfrey getting in the mix and disrupting. Otherwise, I think it probably could have been worse early the on shots. Shots are probably set pieces. Um, yeah. Yep. But yeah, I mean, certainly in the first half, the setup, the only outlet that was there, I mean, Rondon just kept having to come back and back farther and farther for the ball. And even when he had a chance to win a battle, which he actually won plenty, I mean, despite everyone's decrying how awful he was, but there really wasn't anyone for him to play the ball to. Dean released the ball a couple of times to Wobi. Wobi did a great job finding space, but was so bad on the ball. I mean, I, he was maybe he wasn't bad. fit. I don't know what it was. I mean, the yeah. first 32, 33 minutes up to his complete whiff, he was terrible on the ball. He just kept just couldn't do anything with it, which is sad because he actually was the one that found space and found himself available. Normally you don't see that much poor quality on the ball, but, but a lot of this was just structural, you know, and, and just Everton never got out of first gear. Like we never saw that kind of, you know, rapid, 
counter. I mean, to start the timeline, even in the ninth minute, I made that comment. Well, after it, my, Mikel Antonio got the hilarious diving call, oh, uh, which I, love I loved. I loved it. Loved it. That was actually nice. To that was see, great to see in our favor too, right? Yeah, finally, it's, which is about the only call that went in our favor the whole match. And it, it's nice to see the refs finally cracking down on some of this stuff because it was a blatant dive. And I was watching it and I thought he carded, I think it was Keen or maybe Godfrey. Yeah. I thought he carded us. And I was like, what the heck? And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, I, I can live with this. I, I mean, it was kind of ridiculous, but he did dive. Uh, it just, it was a byproduct of the, the refereeing the whole match. It was completely inconsistent and complete garbage, if you ask yeah. me. I mean, I thought that was another aspect that hurt us big time. I thought Stuart Atwell was awful, right? I think that's who it was. We'll get to that at the end, too, the summary. I mean, the foul total was shocking. Um, so in the ninth minute, I literally wrote on my sheet because I went back and watched it, wrote notes. Who the heck is our outlet? I didn't say heck. Uh, Gray can't hold the ball up and, and right. That's not his strong suit. Ronan is the only guy Decorey looks like he has no idea who he's playing it. And that was it. You know, I mean, a lot of it was gray playing that middle role, but he was almost playing behind Rondon, which you saw a little at Newcastle. Like sometimes Iosi Perez would drop back there, but I just don't, I don't think that's the right way for us to play, you know? So once again, we missed any verticality there. When Gray's on the left, I feel like he can stretch the defense a little. You know what I mean? I think it opens things up for us a little bit better on the counter. But unfortunately, we had to wait till the second half. I mean, really for anything to happen. But but you're right, guys. I mean, I, I'm sure you felt the same way I did. I mean, I feel like after like 20 minutes, I was shaking my head like, is this, are we kind of what is going? Are we even starting to play? I mean, I know Rafa's teams have grown into it this year. I mean, they definitely have. And the second half has been better. But that was as bad at 20 minutes as we've had in a long time. It really was. And it wasn't great also to set the tone at home specifically. We know that Goodison can be a, a bit a bit touchy, right? It's been two weeks since we've seen the Blues. And, um, you know, now I will say, though, and as you mentioned, I mean, we had a little we had a we had a little bit of action in the 28th minute. We saw a long ball out to release the pressure gray on, out on the right wing. Right. And he stands up Ogbonna, beats him to the byline, whips across in and it's flying. And you see, OK, maybe Rondon's got it. Maybe not. And then our man Alex Iwobi is there. But hold up. It flew right between his legs It nutmegged him in front of the six yard box in the 28th minute. And I felt like Everton in that moment could have atoned for their sins of the first 20 minutes and it all came crashing down. What was that? I, I mean, it was obviously Awobi's not a good shooter, but he normally makes contact. I mean, there was a reason why his teammates elected him like one of the most skilled players. I got to assume Rondon put him off, but like, why were they both right? It was a very strange position. They're like on top of each other. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think uh, I know why, by the way, I watched it back. And, and my thought was he Awobi's kind of going full tilt to the six yard line and the ball comes out in such a way that he has to kind of adjust and slow his run a little bit. I don't know if that put him off. I think Ryan you did Rondon put him off, but regardless that one goes down as a, uh, a blooper reel for sure. And furthermore kind of sums up Alex Awobi's woes in the penalty box in terms of trying to get shots on target. So why do you think that happened? And I, I bet you, I know why, what have we talked about in terms of Gray's crossing doesn't look up. And he hammers it right the same place. But everyone knows that now, right? We decided this is a positive. I mean, he could serve a ball. No question. Beautiful. I mean, right to the top of the six, every single cross, every single one. It's hysterical. And maybe Wobi knew that or was used to it. Maybe Rondon didn't. I don't know what happened. But like, if you know where it's going to be, that just makes it so much worse. Um, and it's too bad, too, because Gray, Gray did it later in the game, too. And I felt like Rondon, Rondon was not on the same page as people in the final third, I think. Um, but again, I mean, you're asking a lot when he has to keep coming back and 
receiving a ball and then run 80 yards to kind of jump on the end of a counter that never really happened. So, but yeah, this one was bad. I mean, if that goes in, the whole match changes. It would have totally. been completely, completely undeserved. But I mean, yeah, it's a massive chance. It's just, it's just a shame. And, and we started heating up a little bit in the mid thirties, even though I, I really think, I mean, they still had some massive chances that we had a ton of blocks on, but I mean, we had another chance in kind of the 33rd and the 34th. Yeah. And the 33rd Townsend races to the byline, swings in across for Decore to meet. Uh, he gets up for it. Seems like he's in a really good position, but just couldn't quite get the connection on it. Maybe mistimed his jump slightly. I think it goes just wide. Um, so not the best connection there. And then 34th, you had Ben Rama cut inside, beats Allen, recurring theme on this show. Allen beat off the oh, dribble, unfortunately. Sad day. day. Suchek lays it off to Bowen, takes a low shot, and Pickford gets down and makes a really nice save. Of course, Suchek then bangs it home. My head goes down. I see the flag go up. My head goes back up. I feel okay. <clears throat> we kind of got got pretty lucky there, but you know, so the signs were were not encouraging at that point, I would say. This is another one, though, where Decore got basically tackled with no call. I mean, Suchek yeah. twice put people in. Um, God, what was the what's the wrestling move? Where they stre- the abdominal stretch, right? That's <laughs> Suchek put two guys in it at one point. No call. Uh, yeah. And there was earlier like Gray got nailed. No call. Um, it's just right after this, too. I felt like, you know, Gray, like had that poor kind of left footed shot. Thank you, Rafa, for telling him to shoot. And then you had the same thing, like 37th minute, like Townsend gets hammered. No call. You know, and then they call a corner. It wasn't a corner. I mean, it's just it was just this terrible, like sequence of events. And they just kept getting chance after chance. And we couldn't get the ball. And I mean, it was pretty ugly. And then, I mean, they had a they had a big chance, I think, of the 40th minute, too. I think we got fairly fortunate on this one as well. Yeah. Fornals has the ball on the edge of the 18. Coleman is standing straight in front of him, maybe like about a yard away. Uh, next thing you know, Cresswell overlaps. Right. But but essentially, once he's even with four Niles on the edge of the 18, then Coleman just essentially starts trying to track Cresswell. So what he was never that? steps to four Niles on the 18. Cresswell never fully uh, passes four Niles in terms of verticality. And yet Coleman's just off in nowhere land. Next thing you know, four Niles takes one cut or I mean, one touch inside and he very nearly swings it in far post. I mean, and you see the Pickford just screaming at Coleman. Pickford was. What do you make of that? What I mean, do you make like of that? The, is at the top of the 18 too, right at the corner of the circle. I mean, that's that's like walk up to the field and practice shot. You know what I mean? Thank right. God he shanked it. Um, I, how could you? He must have thought he had cover, but I mean, you ne- never. I mean, that's I, I don't know. It's a pretty strange thing from Seamus Coleman. I felt like there were a lot of arguments in the match, you know, a lot of disorganization on us yeah. in defense. And you guys, I mean, didn't you, I mean, some of the demeanor back and forth, I thought was a little uncharacteristic. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. Yeah. I felt like there was definitely some communication breakdowns and you know, you don't want to extrapolate that and say, Oh, you know, there's problems in the locker room. Blah, blah, blah. think there's <laughs> any real signs of that, but it's true that there was some real disjointedness to Everton's approach in terms of both on the offensive side of the ball, not being able to string passes together. And then you have this example where Coleman, again, is it a, a lack of communication? Does he just drop? Does someone tell him to drop off and he drops? We'll never really know, but you, you cannot just leave a Premier League footballer, that type of space on the edge of the box. That's prime time, perfect opportunity. Fortunately, they were a bit wasteful there. And that essentially gets us to halftime, at which point, again, not pretty. We lost the possession battle 33 to 67%. The passing at home. percentage at home, right? Trash. The passing percentage 68 Everton, 84 West Ham. 
Oh, 68. Is that true? Oh, yeah. my Lord. Yeah, really, really poor. And you had guys like Keen and Godfrey, who typically center halves have high pass percentage, but they were just pinging it long or pinging it out of bounds. And they were both in the, the 60s, low 60s for the entire match. Tackles were even at five to five. But again, with so much less of the ball, you'd hope to see us maybe win that. We did win more aerials, mostly defensively, 11 to four. But overall, at that point, it was really ugly. And you look to Rafa at that point to make some adjustments in the locker room, come out and uh, hopefully have some positive results and build some momentum to start the second half. And I think we saw a little of that. I mean, I think the switch of Wobi to the 10 was a massive difference. I think suddenly our, our formation kind of changed. Uh, the dynamic changed. Gray could be more vertical. I think that was very helpful. Um, in the 47th minute, we saw like the first legit counter the entire match. Uh, or, you know, went up to Rondon, he laid it off to Wobi, quick pass to Towns. And I, I, I stood up. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is actually happened. This is how we're supposed to play. Um, there was also a couple really odd things that happened. How about when they threw the ball out? Do you remember that play on the sideline? Like Coleman had it on a throw in and they insisted on chucking the ball off the field and replacing what Coleman had. It was. Yeah, worse. yeah, yeah. It what was that? That was so deflate gate, Ryan deflate. Gate. <laughs> is he doctoring the ball? Is this I mean, is he have like an emery board out there hiding in his back pocket? I mean, we don't I, need I, to I talk mean, about deflate gate. That's what the announcer said. It must have been an air pressure thing. But yeah, first of all, it was weird because Atwell, I think, tries to then like kick the ball back across. Oh, uh, yeah. What field. was that? Coleman laughed out loud at one point. He's like, what are you doing? What does that accomplish? That was very strange. And then um, we had a great set piece after that. That was really wonderful. I love to see that. I mean, it was like the long ball that came out to a lawn, double bounced in front of him. And then he decides that instead of putting it back in the mixer, he would play it back to Coleman, who played it back to Pickford, who uh, then knocked it out of bounds into about the first row for a throw in. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, are you, could our set pieces have been any worse? Can we put Dean back on corners, please? I, I, at least he has proven over time to be good at them. And I understand that Gray is fine as a right footed option at Townsend. I just, it's not good. I mean, we have to do something better for heaven's sakes. We, Godfrey had some chances that maybe could have done all right with, but. I mean, the difference between their quality chances and our struggles defending and there and, and, and our struggles in attack. I mean, it was there's some really bad moments. I thought, I mean, that has got to get there is nothing more deflating to a crowd or deflating. a fandom at a live football match than when you work so hard to win a corner. And Everton didn't have a whole lot to celebrate up until that point. So you're celebrating a corner and then you just play it all the way back to your and just takes all it the takes wind the out of your air sails. out of you yeah. takes the wind out of your sails right you just terrible like you lose breath air goes away yeah and then in the the 51st minute we had actually a pretty good ball i believe it's townsend crosses it in with his left kind of an in swinger and rondon just gets a piece but not quite enough first kind of opportunity for him to really make an impact and, and potentially score a goal didn't quite time it right and an unfortunate miss yeah and look we were better from halftime to about the 73rd. We're going to get to the wonderful moment uh, that occurred West Ham's goal. But I mean, we outshot them six to three. We had two dribbles. They had none. We had seven tackles. They had two. Again, we got out tackled and they had the ball the whole match. That's another great stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, we weren't dispossessed. We dispossessed them three times. I mean, we, we looked, we frankly looked like the better team. And I know it was a really bad performance. It's funny because it's like, Townsend took the mantle from a Wobie of actually getting open and receiving a ball and doing just terrible things with it. 
Whereas Awobi suddenly became the guy who actually was kind of controlled with it in the second half. It was just so Jekyll and Hyde. I, I don't know what was going on, but it was absolutely terrible. And then unfortunately, even though I thought we looked, I mean, they had a chance or two that were pretty significant, but I really thought, I thought, you know, we were, I thought the more likely team to possibly score. And, you know, unfortunately we gave up a slew of corners here. I mean, nine corners to them. I think it really, I'm not surprised they eventually scored on one and sure enough in the 73rd, you know, it, it happened. So in the 73rd, basically what happened is that, you know, Everton is in their wonderful zonal defense, which for some reason Rafa has chosen. I mean, the setup's absurd. We'll talk about it in a second, but anyway, I mean, Ogbon is in a dead sprint, so it's really hard to ask anyone who's only marking standing still to rise up over them and win a ball. Now, can Godfrey do better here? Can he get his arm up maybe over top of him? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I prefer a hybrid solution. I don't like the full man either. I don't like putting people on the posts either because I think the most dangerous corner to stop is the flick on. And if you play people off the post, they're immediately offside, so it doesn't really matter. Does Godfrey need to do better or is this just a schema issue? What do you guys think? Honestly, I think I think Godfrey does pretty well based on the situation, right? Like the standing jump, if you look, if you watch it back, um, I think he times it well. He about gets to the peak of the jump, right? I mean, you can see. I think he was just a couple inches too too short. But again, as you're saying, like Agbana timed the 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 run and makes such a good touch on it that I mean, you know, it, it's hard to do a whole lot else, especially at his height. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree with Alex. Don't want to be too harsh on Godfrey. It is hard when you're dealing with those the players coming in with all sorts of momentum. You're trying to mark your zone, but you're also trying to read the men coming into your zone. Frankly, I think the guy who needs to do better on this is Jordan Pickford on that Antonio ball in the air. Maybe uh, that one. Look, there's just never really an excuse for a keeper who can put their arms above their head to lose a vertical fight to a guy who has to get up and Antonio is an unbelievable athlete. My Sad girlfriend was talking about his thighs, like the whole game. She's like, Oh, he's got he's so <laughs> oh, no, huge thighs. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's out of the uh, bag now. Yeah. yeah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> the, uh, but look, I mean, he's a huge, strong guy. He's a unit. He's got vertical leap, but Pickford he's got needs to do big better. thighs he's, too. <laughs> big thighs. That's how you get the vertical leap. The quads. It's all about the quads. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, but, this play really took the air out of the game for I'm yeah. sorry. I just the deflate comments are just gonna continue. <laughs> yeah, he has to do better. How can you not do better? I mean, how can you I, I understand the Pickford's got, you know, he's maybe not that tall. He's got short arms. Remember, everyone's heard about it 800 times. But how do you not leap up there with any sort of strength and win the ball? I mean, I'm sorry, you shouldn't have somebody's head above your arms. I, I don't get that at all. I mean, at least be aggressive and make them fat. I don't think he found him. At first, I thought that maybe Antonio used his left arm and really jammed him in the chest. When they showed it again, I don't think he did. So He didn't. And as mad as Pickford got, I think he's trying to cover his tracks there because he knew he should have done better. But he they often call like it. Fouled. They often yeah. do call it, though. So, I mean, I you know, you don't know if he's trying to sell it or not. I mean, but basically the theme of the match was that he wasn't calling anything anyway. I mean, actually, I, I feel like like right after that, you had another one where like Owobi just got absolutely taken out by Suchek again. Abdominal press. Uh and then Gray gets stiff armed right behind that, right after that on like a long ball and just no calls whatsoever. It was just absolutely deflating. I, I don't know. I mean, yes, I think the problem is conceding the, the corner to begin with. I think it's a tough ass for Godfrey. Could he have done better? Yeah, but it's not a strong suit. And that's how it goes. And I will say this when we did our assessment, our squad assessment, what did we say about the center halves that Rafa Benitez, even though we normally mix as like a ball playing guy with kind of a steady guy, um, they're all tall. I mean, it, almost every one of them are six, three and above six, two, and can all jump and are good in the air. Even the guys that can run forward and make plays with feet. So I, 
I think Godfrey's a good enough athlete where he can make up for a slight problem with height. I mean, we're not, I mean, he's not five foot nine. Here. Um, but you know, you kind of wonder if maybe that explains some of the schema, but if that's the case, you got to change something up. I, I, I think, I mean, it's just, they were too dangerous repeatedly and it's happened now several men in a row. And Rafa has been criticized for this in the past, but you know, he's very, you know, he is, he's almost dogmatic at times about things certainly can do some wrinkles. So, you know, ultimately what happens here is Everton's trying to get back in the game. I mean, we had 60% possession after the goal, the rest of the way, um, Gordon comes in for a Wobie, which, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that at that point, a Wobie was actually playing well and our shape seemed better. Um, moving Gordon out left. And I suppose gray in the middle gives us more direct pace. I mean, I think that's fair. Gordon's a little bit more of a vertical player than Awobi, and probably is a little faster. I think, I mean, Awobi's not slow and, but West Ham of course counters to a back five and we just start whipping in crosses. Like there's, there's nothing else we can possibly do. I mean, I think Townsend had like several of his crosses in the last 10, 10 minutes. Almost all of them were blind. None of them were particularly dangerous. I mean, I, I can't remember any particular chance we, we had here um, other than maybe a corner or two where, I mean, Godfrey in the very last corner gave it an effort too, but it just, it was almost too comfortable. Frankly, they had actually better yeah. chances than we did. I yeah. I wanted to see what Alex thinks about this. Cause I was watching the second half. And as you mentioned, Ryan, I mean, we did play much, much better, but I still thought that this is the type of situation, especially after the goal is crying out for someone to come off the bench to make an impact. Unfortunately, the only option we had, there's Anthony Gordon, but should Rafa have looked to maybe switch something up in the midfield? Should he have looked to make a change earlier? Um, I, I was live watching the match under the impression that was way too late. The 79th after you've already conceded too little, too late to make a change, but um, interested what you think, Alex. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Actually. Um, we talked a bit about it off air, but uh I'm not going to lie. At halftime, I would not have been flabbergasted to see Iwobi taken off. Now, I, I absolutely agree that his second half was better. No, he was a mess first half, and there's no question like, about it. I mean, right. I, I mean, like, his touch was awful. Um, he wasn't barely completing any passes. Obviously, the big whiff and the nutmeg. Um, but it's hard to really argue with the decision once, you know, the next 10 minutes or so play out in terms of how many, how many, uh, chances that we created and how decent opportunities that we had but yeah at the end of the day 79th minute was way way too long to uh to wait for to wait for a substitution i i don't know that i can really argue with who it was because i don't know that a midfielder was was really our what we were crying out for and i I saw calls for dobbin but where are you gonna play him i mean i'm sorry you're not gonna put him in and play him for rondon he's nothing like him uh, at all I mean, I know everyone thought Rondon was the worst player known to man today, but I, I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding of his role. I mean, people think that just because he's a center forward, he has to score goals. It's this myopic kind of craziness. I think you have to look a little closer and hey, we're going to pat ourselves in the back right here. Here we go. I'm patting myself in the back uh, for doing the research and trying to understand a little bit better how Rafa used his target guys. And I thought it was very surprising what we saw. I mean, over history, he's had a lot of them, but they haven't really been traditional had the ball in the net type guys. I mean, typically what you're going to get is Rondon laying the ball off for people. Even in the final third, Rondon would do that constantly. I think the most headed goals he's he had in a season, at least with Newcastle, was two. And normally other people let it because he was kind of, you know, laying the ball off to people. He's he's decently, you know, his numbers are pretty good in terms of creation. Uh, so I, I just don't think Dobbin is not the right choice there. I mean, it's just kind of silly to think that he would be the guy. Townsend looked pretty gassed too. So yeah. maybe I could see moving both those two. I mean, if you just needed the legs, 
but yeah, you're limited. I, I, the only counter I would argue is that if you're going to make that change at halftime, and again, it worked out okay. Like we started playing really well in the second half. You almost wanted to make a change in the first half. It was right. so bad and put in someone else at, in, in midfield or, or maybe go to a 4 2 3 1. There's no reason why Rafa has to always defend in the 4 4 2. Now, maybe he feels like he's limited with people and he has midfielders out, so he doesn't want to play an extra one, but you could always go 4 2 3 1 and drop back in a 4 5 1. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. He's done that a lot. I actually think that would have been a better counter to kind of deal with a lot of the width that they were playing with, although maybe you sacrifice your chance of scoring and you are at home, but could it have been any worse? I mean, we we're defending most of right. the time anyway. We couldn't get the ball from them. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you guys thought. I mean, summary kind of performance. There are a couple different topics that we could talk about, but it just, yeah, we really didn't threaten, I think, in the last 15. And I th- that was a little disappointing, I thought. Yeah, definitely discouraging and a good chance to move into the summary. We said it was deflated. We said it was poor. And I think that really sums it up. But we did want to briefly discuss the officials, which, you know, on the ATP were never particularly complimentary to the officiating crew. But today was particularly poor. I mean, they don't foul that often, West Ham. I get it. They're amongst the lowest fouling teams in the league. By the way, you should probably question that, though. I mean, you know, for a team that and they do have some possession, but like not enough to suggest. I mean, you're telling me you watch some of these guys, the physicality they play with. They don't foul that much. I mean, come on. So, I mean, the game before the match before they had 16 fouls, but they magically only had three. That's new. That's pretty neat. Uh, They've only had under six once. And that was the first match against Newcastle. So. I mean, do we really think they only committed three fouls the whole match? I'm sorry. I, I just some of this, like letting them play thing. And, you know, every English commentator you hear is really happy about. I'm not. Jubilance. I'm not. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's totally overreaction. And I think I, I'm sorry. You should not let people using your arms and slow people in particular getting away with just throwing people. I think it's absolute garbage. I want to see the skilled guys play. And I'm not saying that diving is okay but I, I don't think this is the right reaction and i don't think it's helping the quality of play in my opinion i don't know what you guys think about it. i absolutely agree with that sentiment for sure in general yeah it's worn almost as a as a badge of honor but i think uh it, it does it does indeed negatively affect like just the the pure entertainment factor of of the league itself it's just too and, far you know what i'm saying Alex? i just think they've taken it too far right right i mean you, it's you okay had if it. some things are soft but you know you had one extreme one year and now they've gone a bit too far the other way. The hope is that they can recalibrate and maybe find some sort of balance, but I'm with both of you. I thought just the, the discrepancy there, 16 fouls to three, you don't see that dramatic a shift in playing style. Um, let's talk set pieces. We oh, had, let's, let's talk set pieces yet again, rearing their ugly head in favor of the opposition, nine corners to seven West Ham had five shots from set pieces and we managed three. <laughs> We blocked a bunch of shots, as we said at the top, blocked eight shots. And it felt like some of them were really, really pivotal. And yeah. you could have felt like that may have gotten out of hand. Pickford, you know, some low shots, really effective and last ditch efforts being thrown around by Godfrey to get in the way of some of these. Yeah, Pickford's save on Bowen is good. But yeah, let's talk set pieces. So uh, <laughs> I have a lovely little image here of our defensive setup against corners and it's really a fantastic study and setup. I, I have no problem with the setup itself. And we've got three guys across the six, basically in zonal. Uh, someone kind of inside, you know, the near post trying to deal with, you know, a player that's in there. 
um, and someone else kind of away from the near post um, to deal with the, if the ball comes flying in low. What I have a problem with this is little diamond formation that sits in front of the guys that are zonally marking kind of, you know, it looks like Decore's up top and I think Coleman there too. And the idea about zonal marking is fine, but you got to have some people that slow down the momentum of the guys racing in to attack. Otherwise they'll just go right over the zonal guys and score every time. And we're running in front of these guys. And I guess it forces them to kind of zigzag like it's some sort of kids tag game or something, but you got to be more physical here. If they're going to let people borderline punch each other in this game, you've got to grab them or get ahead of them and be more physical. And they're clearly instructed not to. They're instructed to just kind of stand and prevent them from getting directly to the line. But that is not going to work, man. I mean, I'm sorry. They're going to eventually they'll float it in. They'll give them more time to get in front. You've got to prevent these guys legitimately block them from getting to the guys in the back. Does Mina help today? Yeah, probably. I, I, I mean, we know he's a beast in there, but I just don't think that's the solution. And it's just, I think it's a stark contrast too, because we were so good on set pieces last year. So yeah. it probably makes it look even worse than it really is. But I can't help but look at this and just think it tactically is, I mean, just not there. Borderline naive. I, I, I just think... Rafa has to change the behaviors if he's going to play that that diamond in there. They've got to be more preventative. They got to be a little more physical. And I think you know the worst part is they just stand there. So if the ball comes flying out too from the eighteen, West Ham's got two people sitting there at the top of the eighteen. They're going to have it and have all day on it. And they had that several times. Thankfully, we blocked a couple of the shots. I mean, it's just. I mean, look at that. That's just not in practice. It's not working, and he's got to change. Right, and that's a good point too about just comparing it to last season because we were monumentous on set pieces, but specifically corners, defending and attacking last season. And that that's definitely made it feel worse. Yeah. And you talk about the refereeing, letting guys play. Well, right. corners are traditionally where you let guys play the most. They guys get away with the most heinous stuff in the midst of a, of a kerfuffle in the box. And so to not even put a body on these guys and stiff arm them or something, or just, just be disruptive as you possibly can. There, it's really unlikely you're going to get a penalty called unless you're like dragging a guy down. And so it, it's kind of inexcusable. It's unfortunate that we have to revisit this topic and it surely won't be the last time this season we do. And then we look at the crosses. So crossing Everton had a season high of 19 crosses this match uh, while accurate, while the accuracy was pretty decent. It didn't necessarily produce a whole lot. We talked about that, especially towards the end of the match when West Ham went into a back five. Um, Townsend alone had nine crosses and Everton is now 14th in the league in crosses. The second highest yeah, the on second a match highest. day was 15. Yeah. Before that was the, the first, first match. Yeah. I remember when everyone's like, Oh, that's what we're doing now. We're bringing in wingers yeah. and we're firing crosses to Dominic Calvert-Lewin and that's our whole game. And I, and remember I mentioned something on social media, like, I mean, we're going to cross some, obviously we have the personnel to do it. I mean, you don't bring in Townsend without expecting some crossing, but yeah, that's, it's not really necessarily a big part of what Rafa's going to do. I mean, we went through the amount of headed goals and all those other things. And remember how I got trashed on social media and got really bitter about it. You They're like get see, trashed on social like, media. See, I told you we had all these crosses in the first game and it made us like middle of the road in the premier league. So we're at 14th now after a big crossing. So come on, man. I mean, that's not what, what we're going to do. That being said, you would like to see us a little more. And part yeah. of that, part of that's the corners, you know, but just, Again, I, so what are you guys? I want to hear about Solomon Rondon because even if he's the guy that gets on the end of the cross and kind of lays it off for people, was it a structural issue? I mean, I just think that if he's coming back that deep to try and, you know, lay a ball off on someone to spring the counter, is it really fair to say, hey, you know what you should do? Be able to run 80 yards all the way into the box and get on the end of one. I mean, I, I just think that 
we're asking a little bit much. And I think there were some structural issues today. I truly don't, despite other people's opinions, I truly don't as a man thought, thought, think that he played a terrible match. I just think people are lazy and look at it and say he didn't score. Well, people want to look at him as he's in theory, the Calvert-Lewin replacement, but, and we talked about in the squad assessment, he can do some of the things that Dominic Calvert-Lewin can do, but what he can't do is match Dominic Calvert-Lewin's combination, right? Aerial ability and speed. Yeah. And so to expect him to be able to play the target man role, dropping really deep because we're trying to play long balls out from the back all the time and do it all while also getting in the six for every cross, it, it just seems unrealistic. And look, you talk about the, the high number of crosses, a lot coming in the later stages when we were down. It is a little concerning to me. Yeah, we don't have a ton of other options, but you see so often when lower league, lower lower sides in the league go down and that's their only real answer is to just start hoofing long balls into the box, hoping that you can win something and knock something down and, and cause a little bit of chaos. I would have liked to see us maybe have a bit more of a composed plan to get back into the game, but we, we kind of obviously with a little over 10 minutes left had to be a little desperate, but would have liked to see that composure. Well, let, let's delay the greater conversation since we had possession like the last 20 minutes and how ineffective we were, because I think there's a better question or kind of a bigger question in possession. Um, and maybe let's get into kind of some of the summary prefers yeah. some of the comments. But I do want to talk about that because I think we're definitely seem like we're we're a different team when, you know, when we when we have to score another team's packing in. But anyway, I'm belaboring the point. Uh, let's start off with MVP at uh, Philadi. Um, longtime listener, supporter of the show. Uh, definitely the kindest, most gentle human being out there for sure. He likes to give Ryan a hard time. I, I like him a lot, actually. I, I think <laughs> I like we would be too. I think we would be uh, very comedic together. We're probably two people that come across online as complete like combative in, in real life. Well, I'm speaking for myself and other people. <laughs> We're actually fairly warm, kind of friendly people. But anyway, um, and I'm not apologizing for wearing my hat backwards. Uh, did you see that comment? He said, he said, like, only jerks do that or catchers. And I played catcher like my whole life. So, like, I feel really strange when I put my hat on forwards. I still do to this day. So I kind of go back and forth. But anyway, I don't know if that makes me a jerk. I think other things are jerk. Anyway, his comment. Awobi was poor for most of the first half. Yeah. Uh, Pickford should have leaped above Antonio and grabbed that ball. Leads to an unnecessary corner and a goal. And it was very deflating. Okay, he didn't say that. Uh, Rondon offers very little up top. Many mediocre performances, really. I mean, that's a pretty good summary. Yeah, I think I think it echoes a lot of what we've already said. And then we had Rafa beneath us, Ryan's brother in arms, at Abel Southall said, a bit late to this, it's already a scratch record. You cannot play without the ball at home <laughs> that much and not expect the opposition to find their groove. I'm just Hardly any pressure on Rice and Suchek. Poor from start to finish, credit Moyes and West Ham. Thoughts on that one? I mean, I, th- I thought it was pretty obvious that Moyes had our number. Here's the question, though. Should Rafa maybe come up with something a little less predictable, or do you feel like he was more limited because of the play he lacked? Yeah, I think I think it was I think it was more so just limitation based on personnel, in my opinion. I don't know. I don't know how much you how much you can you can change by that, right? Like I mean, you look at that bench and you're like, we unless you bring in Bameen, which We'll talk about that in a second. I think that made a logical <laughs> conclusion going forward. But I and look, he did adjust at half. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, Rafael Benitez has been good at adjustments. You would have liked to see him adjust a little earlier. Um, some of the shape, defensive shape was certainly better. You know, James and I are always picking on like the vertical gap between the center halves and, and the midfielders. I thought that was better at times. But yeah, I mean, and the thing is, I think what really irritates me a little bit is how can you concede that much possession from guys, especially in the midfield, where it's not like they're a pacey group back there. Yeah. 
I mean, Suchek is slow as molasses and Rice, although he's gotten better in terms of moving the ball forward, is not going to pass it forward. So you just need to kind of stand and contain them. And I, I think they're limited slightly, but we just didn't show any of that, you know, but like, yeah. like Phil said, I mean, we just, we also had individual bad performances when we won the ball. Um, let's go to Michael Potter at M Potter 44 played well enough. Mm-hmm. Eh. Tougher to counter against rice in their center half pace. Eh, Zuma can run. I mean, Agbana um, wanted Rondon to stay on for set piece defense, but that didn't work. By the way, that is a great point. Rondon is quite good defending set pieces. I mean, God forbid what happens if he's not in there. I mean, really good at it. Exceptional. Um, Alon looked off the pace a bit. Yeah, I mean, to get into individual performances, I would say it's pretty safe to say Alon did not have his best day. No, definitely not. He was off the pace all day. I, th- I think it's just tough when he's asked to cover so much ground. He's got all these big gaps to cover and we're off the ball so much that he's kind of ends up running around a little bit like a chicken with his head cut off, which is uncharacteristic for him. But the lack of discipline seems to be kind of a recurring theme. And the setup didn't do him any favors either. Could have been gassed. A lot of times if yeah. your touch goes bad, it's because you're, you're you're exhausted. And when you're running around without the ball as much as we were, that that could be, I mean, you could attribute a lot of that. I mean, Townsend slipping, trying to cross later, and he probably was a little gassed too. So maybe some of the lack of depth on the bench hurts us. I mean, I don't think Gray or Townsend are necessarily 90-minute guys. You know, I hate to I hate to be overly critical with them. I, I They've both been very good for us. Um, Townsend did not have his best game. Gray's been very good for us, but again, he's not. I mean, early in the season, we're pulling him early. I think he, he runs yep. his race a little bit. You know, at least that's my my take on things. Um, but uh, so I'm curious what you guys think in terms of individual performances. I kind of lump in all the attackers that won, but I I can't say. I mean, Gray was effective at times. Awobi was really Jekyll and Hyde half to half. Um, and Townsend was, I mean, he, he had a lot of service, but I. His numbers looked okay, but some of it was set pieces. I mean, the crosses and everything. I thought in particular, the defensive contributions from those guys was really lacking. And I don't know if that was just structural, but when you look at it, you know, one tackle, one by gray, no interception. It will be one interception, no tackles. And he's, I mean, normally it puts in a shift defensively. Townsend, was he two for two tackles? I don't think he had any interceptions. I thought he was one for two, but the point is, I mean, Cresswell was there just holding the ball all day. He didn't have an extraordinary number of pressures against him. Um, from Townsend. So, I mean, that hurt you, you know, I mean, that left us very much exposed at the back, especially when you're outnumbered in midfield. And I, I think, I think that was probably a macro level problem that maybe other people didn't quite pick on as often. Yeah. you know, on the flip side of that coin though, I mean, their offensive work was decent as a whole in general, Gray had three key passes. Townsend had five key passes, pretty good numbers in general. Awobi had four shots on target, four shot creating actions. Um, not necessarily terrible, although it didn't account account for much at all at the end. I mean, is it not obvious at this point, though, that I think we we make more sense as a unit with Gray left playing more vertical? I know he's in a free role. He's never going to play a ton of defense. I think that's OK, although it's ironic that bagged on Hamas for the same thing. But anyway, going to let that go. I uh, couldn't help myself. And it will be in the middle. I mean, it just seems to me I, I understand putting Gray behind Rondon to try and stretch the defense a little bit, maybe. But I just I just don't think that works. And I don't think it's the best play for us. And I, I think Awobi and maybe Decore to a lesser extent are probably the two best in terms of receiving those balls and moving it vertically very quickly. I, I, I don't know. That's and Townsend kind of arriving late, arriving late. He's very smart about how he gets in the box to score. I just and maybe there's some out of sync. I mean, Rondon not knowing that Gray's going to cross right to the AB. I, I, I don't know. I just I think it's beyond a shadow of doubt obvious that you know, in this scheme and maybe in others, it will better on the left side in this scheme. I, I think it will be's got to play that 10 
you know, second striker role. That's just, I mean, there's a reason why Gray scored all three of his goals when he played. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. No, I think that that's a fair assessment. I, I do think that Awobi, we talked, look, he can play in the left half space. There's no doubt about that. But I think that, yeah, although he was poor, like I'm not not defending his first half play. He was really, really poor in that position. And I can see why people uh, would characterize it that way. But I think centrally, he offers so much with his vision and passing ability to free up guys who are faster than him running down the wing like Gray who can then get guys one-on-one, beat him for pace, beat him off the dribble. I think that's just a more dangerous setup for us personally. But uh, talking a little bit about the defensive contributions, we had Ben Godfrey ended up with, uh, I think, three one aerials, four tackles. He ended up with three shots. He had that one that he tried to like full volley, scissor kick type thing that was maybe a bit ill-advised, but he certainly had an impact. I think the first half, Ryan, you were saying you you thought he played really well. I kind of agree with that. and then, you know, Luca Dean, the man just doesn't stop. Thought he had a really solid performance, four or five for tackles, blocked a couple shots and interception. Again, not contributing quite as much offensively, but that's the play style. That's what he's being asked to do. Yeah, I don't like the fact that people have been kind of critical of him. I mean, just look at the touches. I mean, he's just not getting into the box as often. And that's okay. And that's just how he is. I, I think he's had one game where he's gotten in the box more than one time, you know, and that was against Norwich, I believe. That's how he's playing. So people got to understand that he's still crossing the ball accurately. You know what I mean? His shot created actions are fine, but the quality of his chances, the danger of their chances is not quite as high. Now, I do think in the second half, or I think even in the first half, there were a couple moments where Wobie didn't completely flub the ball, a miracle of miracles after about the 33rd, where he, him and, and Luca, you know, he got Dean up far enough to cross the ball, but that was few and far between. So people just got to accept that. You know, that's how it is. Um, I, I don't know what other performances of note. We didn't say much about Michael Keane. I mean, he, he was fine. It was amazing how many blocks there, though. I think we had eight shot blocks, right? And Godfrey had three. Keane had two. Dean had two. Alon had one. And it really saved us at times. But look, for the most part, it's hard to really look at this and say there were so many outstanding performances. I mean, even Pickford, who made an amazing save on Bowen. Thankfully, Suchek was offside, made the blunder against Antonio. So, you know, unfortunately, this was coupled with bad tactics and a lot of bad individual performances on the ball mostly rather than off the ball and some structural issues. But the one thing I will bring up that I brought up earlier. So when we're chasing the game, West Ham sits back against us. We got 60% of the ball in the last 15 minutes or so. We did not look particularly dangerous. Now, maybe it's lack of depth, lack of legs. But I asked this question on Twitter because uh, Rafa Benitez mentioned this as well. You know, and he said, you cannot play without the ball at home that much and not expect the, the opposition to find their group. Hardly any pressure on Rice and Suchek from heart start to finish, right? Credit Moyes and West Ham, just like we said. So can a team consistently win without the ball as much as, I mean, are there really any examples? So I did some, did some data analysis as I'm prone to do. And I looked at last year, I looked at the top 98, you know, the teams in the top five leagues, 98. Um, so that, pardon me, this year. So this year we're 92nd in possession. Um, yeah, that's pretty low but, again, but we keep talking about possession. Doesn't matter. Rafa doesn't care. Carlo didn't care. But of the bottom 34 teams in possession, only Union Berlin is higher than us at eighth. That says something. Um, in fact, you got to get to 54 out of 98 until you have a top four team. And that's lens at 48.8%. Last year, the lowest possession percentage for a top five team was 51.2%. That's it. So that means everyone below that, no top five teams. There was only one top six team that finished lower than a 51.2%. West Ham United. 42.8%. So I know it's not everything, 
But there are times, people use Leicester as a good example of a team that didn't have a lot of possession. Fair, they, they really were. But even down the stretch, there were times where they did have the ball more the opponent. And you still have to break people down. Not to mention, it's okay. Possession as a tool, at least to play keep away a little bit. The rest of your guys as a defensive tactic is okay. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting we're going to like go away from being a counterattacking team. I'm fine with that. But there are times where the other team will just hoof it back to you. I mean, you know, there's got to be a little better design and better chances here created. Maybe it's personnel. I mean, certainly if you're in the final third and you're missing attacking players like Richie and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, that's one thing. But God, I just felt like we just, we were, we sat back too much at times. I just, maybe it was disorganization on defense, but I just feel like you got to put a little more pressure on the opponent to make mistakes and trigger the counter. I think there's got to be a better balance there and we just didn't have it to, or Sunday. Absolutely agree. And, and I think that that's exacerbated like by the fact that we were at home, right? I mean, it's just Great such point. a pass. Great it's point. such a passive approach especially at home. And I'm not even saying that in, in relation to how the fans may feel about it. I'm really saying that in, in relation to how, how, like what kind of impression are you making to West Ham in the first 20 minutes when they have 80% of possession and they're sitting there probably thinking this is not too bad after all. Right. Cause how many times did we say they, they haven't won consecutive times that good a sense in 1930. I mean, that empowers teams. Does it not? It allows them to get in a rhythm and maybe, maybe some teams that are not comfortable with the ball, Maybe that would confuse them or unnerve them, but it seemed like Moyes anticipated that he would have the ball. And they, they felt, I felt like they were, they were confident right from the get go. Yeah. It's almost like they knew exactly what they were going to do and they got it right from the get go and they looked sharper. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, Ryan, your point about possession as a defensive tactic is a really good one. We've talked a lot about Rafa's philosophy and he doesn't necessarily subscribe to that, but I think it is very true that when you're dealing with, as low possession as we are, and then you look at the injury list, I'm not going to say it's a direct correlation, but when you don't have the ball, you tend to have to run more. Guys run more, higher chance of pulling muscles, getting injured, that sort of thing. So it can be potentially an injury prevention measure as well. It's not a perfect perfect fix, but if you're not sprinting around chasing the ball all the time, you're less likely to pull a hamstring, that's for sure. Yeah, and I suppose if you're disciplined and not, you're controlling space. So if they're not in this really tired either, but right, you know, I just... Again, I, I, you know, it's also a philosophical too. For me, I'd rather have the ball. I mean, if it's going to, you know, one or the other, that's just, just me. So, I mean, I've got to accept the fact and I, I think it's okay. Teams can play without it, but I, I just think the extent that we played without it on Sunday, pretty bad. And I, I, I would not be surprised if we see some structural changes going forward. Um, under that note, let's talk first about the Decore injury. So we've had some bad news. Obviously it looks like Decore is out for, I think they said six to seven weeks, potentially. Uh, the club will know more tomorrow, I think. Stress fracture in his foot. I think that begs the big question. Now, we don't have the toughest match coming up next, but if you're Rafael Benitez, don't like that, Ryan. what do you do? It's got to be JPG for me. I know that he's still seemingly can't even stay fit for training, but it seems like it's it's him or Tom Davies unless Delph becomes fit again. Um, and I'd probably play Delph and JPG ahead of Tom if you're looking for a direct replacement for Decore in terms of defensive contributions. And maybe, you know, maybe use uh, maybe use JPGs like the sitting six, give Allen a little bit more license to replace yeah. Decore in that role yeah. would probably be. Yeah, I, th- I think if you want to stick with two central midfielders, it's it's got to be uh, Bamin coming in with Allen, but um, I'm, I'm, I would not be surprised to see a midfield three of Davies, Bamin, Allen, or maybe, you know, Gomez thrown into the mix, depending on his, his t- timetable for a return, because 
I think the lack of mobility is going to be a cause for concern in, in a midfield too. And also it, it could be argued that Bamin just simply isn't necessarily ready to start in a midfield too, based on his performance in the cup match previously. And they, keep, but they keep putting him on the bench though. So, I mean, I, you, you got to take a chance on this guy at some point. And we know how talented he has been in the past. I've always said, I thought he was a better structural fit in that, that two defensive mid group than either of those. I, I like Bamin and someone else, whether it's Decoy or Alon better than Alon and Decoy structurally. But again, it's been two years, you know, it's, it's, it's not unreasonable to suggest the game is going to be quick. Uh, that being said, we saw him in Ford and physically he looked great. Yeah. You know, it'd be one thing if you saw like some sort of physical issue and you thought he's not the big, strong guy that he was before. Now, what I was told on social media was that, you know, you can't rely on him. I, I really struggle with this logic. I don't get it. I mean, so you play him and he gets hurt, but you're no better or worse off than you were before. Um, and, and I think if you're, it's, it's likely that we're going to have a sub in there at some point now. However, if we're a little different type of a setup and I thought, we might be on the ball a little bit more and that Watford would sit back and maybe with the new manager would more. It's not crazy to suggest that Tom Davies would being on the ball a lot is terrible in that role, but I just don't trust him from a spatial standpoint. I know he made great strides under Carlo, but in the few times we saw him in the cup match, I mean, he, he just looked like he was suddenly back to the positionally challenged guy. He was before. And if Decorey and Alon are struggling, at least in terms of that kind of space between the lines back there, God knows what Tom Davies would look like. And, and, I must admit, I think I was wrong about Alon. I mean, I love him. I think he's a fantastic player, but I really thought because of his early career before Sorry kind of made him this box-to-box monster that he could be more of a sitting player. He was always a defensive mid. Like, that was okay. I mean, he was a right back a little when he was younger, but I, ju- I just don't think Alon has the discipline to sit back there. I wish I was wrong. Like, I love the guy as a player, and I, I think I was wrong. I think I was. Like, I thought him and DeCorey could really play well together, and, and they're not terrible because they're both very good players, but I... I don't think he can. And so I'm really looking forward to what JPG does. I mean, I, I truly think going forward, knowing Alon's got one more year. I mean, I think JPG is more of a Rafa Benitez type player. He's big, strong, he's athletic. He loves that. He's going to play two midfielders, man. I, I think it is. Alon is struggling from a physical standpoint in the Premier League. Thank God he's a genius and really reads the game well at times and can have blinders. But you really saw him exposed this last weekend. And it's just when, when his anticipation isn't perfect, when his timing isn't absolutely fantastic and he's still very good on the ball, he doesn't have the athleticism to make up the difference. And I just cannot help but think that Rafa would like JPG. So I don't know. I mean, I I think you give him a shot. Don't you? I think you give him a shot. That's just, I agree. I think, I think we, I think that makes complete sense, but we will just have to wait and see what Rafa elects to go with. Now to wrap today's episode, let's talk to just briefly the news of a new first team coach for Everton, and it's fitting given the recent discussion on DeCorey's injury. Everton have confirmed the appointment of Christian Fernandez as first team rehabilitation fitness coach. A move, Rafa Benitez says, will provide an additional strand of expertise in the club's medical department. This is, of course, in addition to this, the hiring of Jamie Harley uh, as head of sports science and a Paco Di Miguel as a coach. Jamie Hartley signed from Leicester. And so, really, Building out the backroom staff, a specific rehab guy arrives just in time to rehab all of our players, all of our good players. How fitting. Right. Yeah. And and this is a guy that uh, went to Newcastle, I believe, about five years ago now. And he worked at Newcastle with Rafa beforehand. I remember seeing on Twitter quite a bit of uh, buzz about this guy and rumors that maybe he would come over as well. And so it, it could be pretty exciting to see that he's 
over. And, and as you said, it's right in time to uh, start helping out some of our star players. It's very funny when they brought in Jamie Harley. He's going to work with Danny Donachi and and help injury prevention. And Rafa had this blog several years ago where he wrote all about his fitness expertise and how he grew up and how he's really good on fitness prevention and all about where his is fitness it? prevention program. Yeah, where I mean, it? it's, again, I'm not throwing him under the bus. I'm just telling you what happened. But I find it kind of interesting that we go to rehab Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He has a relapse. Uh, <laughs> and then, I mean, I just, at some point, you got to ask a couple questions, you know, from the medical side. Uh, you have to. Yeah, I mean, you have just, to. It's every year, you know, no one else deals with this stuff. I mean, last year, Carlo, I think we played or we we rostered or had more players on the first team throughout the season, uh, you know, on the team sheet than any other player, any other team in the league. So it's not good. It's, I mean, it's just, it's just not. So I, I guess it can't hurt, but I, I wonder if this is Rafa wanting again, kind of putting his stamp on things. Um, and who knows? I mean, he's been ruthless in terms of moving people out of the club in terms of players. Maybe he's the same way about physios and coaches. I, I really don't know that. Yeah. We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, at face value, it seems like the type of appointment that we could use <laughs> given the current situation. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully he can set up, you know, some lifting and some stretches and get Dominic Calvert-Lewin's toe magically repaired somehow. And maybe some words of encouragement to boot. Yeah. Yeah. Get him motivated, get Richarlison, get JPG, like new knees of steel inflating balls properly. Is that? Yeah, exactly. But that is going to wrap, wrap the episode. Thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. A review would also help us out a ton. We appreciate that. If you want to find the links to all of our shows, all of our social media, you can find that at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's L-I-N-K-T-R.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Otherwise, we'll be with you following the Watford match. And until then, up the toffees. <laughs>